welcome everybody to the weekend, and I need to let you know that you're not watching or listening to the message that was originally planned for this weekend. On Friday, our team got together, I did the message, and I addressed to some degree what has been happening here in Minneapolis and really across the country, and we thought we were done. On Saturday, I went for a very long bike ride to kind of clear out my head and heart because of all the challenges in this particular season with COVID-19 and all the struggles that are taking place in Minneapolis. And I was about halfway on my ride at about 23 miles. I stopped and I, text, I checked my texts and my emails and I could just see that there is just so much pain out there and uh, questions and concerns. And uh, after talking to Pastor Kyle, we decided, you know what, we need, to, we need to reshoot the message. We need to put a new message out there to deal with this. And so I turned my bike around, and I was heading back, and all of a sudden I was biking into this very stiff wind coming out of the north, and I was already tired. And I remember feeling so frustrated biking against that wind, and I remember that message from a, a several weeks ago when I talked about, you know, sometimes... When you are going with God, you face opposition. You face a stiff wind. And I just thought, God, there's such a stiff wind right now in our world and all the stuff that's going on. And, and I just felt like, God, I need your help to get home. And I need your help with this. You know, what am I supposed to say? I haven't had the several days that I normally take to get ready for the message. And, and a question came to my mind. And as I called out to God, the question that came to my mind was, what do I know? What do I know? And I began thinking on my way back, what do I know right now? What are the things that I do know without a shadow of a doubt? And so that's what I want to share with you, is the things that I believe we can say we know and that we can count on and the things that we may have to work on in our lives and certainly in our relationships, given where we are in this day and age. So if you don't mind, let's just bow our heads for a moment. Let's pray and ask God to speak to all of us. Father, we just invite you into this time and uh, ask that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. We all have so many questions. We all have different feelings. And uh, Lord, there's so much hurt. Let this be a beginning for us, especially those of us part of Wooddale Church, begin to see a direction forward. And to be, oh God, the change agents that you want us to be in this world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what do I know? Well, I know right now that the title of the sermon series that we have been in, which is Upside Down, feels very real. And what I mean by that is so many of us feel like our whole world has just been turned upside down and not in a good way not in a good way at all. And I think what a lot of us are longing for is that it gets turned right side up again. A lot of us want to go back to pre-COVID days, and a lot of us want to go back to before the protests and the riots and, and the brutal killing of uh, Mr. Floyd. But I, I've got to tell you something. We're, we can't go back to what it was like. We have to go back to an entirely different perspective. We've got to go back to a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of practicing our faith. That's, that's something I definitely know. To go back is just to relive it again. The question is, how do we go forward with God 
in this strange season that we find ourselves in in these days. So what I know is this. What I know is that God wants his people to live out his kingdom throughout the world and especially in our communities. That God is wanting us to usher in a taste of what heaven is going to be like someday. That's, that's what's so beautiful about the church and that's our unique opportunity in these days is to reflect out to people what God's kingdom looks like. If we're gonna do that though, we've gotta do some deep self-examination and ask ourselves, where haven't we been reflecting that? And how does the current crisis that we're going through bring that to light? Is God shaking it out of us so we see what it is and we can repent of it then and move forward in his grace to truly be, to truly be God's kingdom people. You see, what I know is that all the problems that we're facing right now, whether it's a virus or whether it's this whole issue that we're dealing with in our culture of racism or any other problem, it all stems from sin. All has sinned and all falls short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We are sinners. And that is the cause of all these things that are taking place. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to step out and say, well, that's their sin, or that's his sin, or her sin. But when I read the Bible, and I read the prophets, when I read somebody like Daniel, or I read about the leader Nehemiah, when they, when they were confessing the sins of the people, they, they said, we have sinned. They included themselves in it because they had this strong sense of community. And I think we have to own we have to own these sins as well. We have to say we're part of the human race, and if not for the grace of God, there go I. So I know that the problem we're really dealing with is sin and the evil one's presence in this world that we live in today. I know that every human attempt to try to fix it is ultimately going to fail. It's like, it's like a dam that's leaking with holes all over the place and we are sticking our finger in trying to stop the leak and another one springs. As long as we try to fix it in our own strength, in our own ideas, in our own policies, in our own ways, it's just not going to work. We have all of human history to prove that. We have all that's taking place in this country in our short history compared to world history to show us that the human attempts don't get it done. They ultimately fail. I know, I know right now that the Bible teaches us that the sins of the fathers are oftentimes visited upon the succeeding generations. There's no doubt in my mind that one of the great sins of our country in its very inception was slaveholding. You can't deny it. It's there in our history. And although we've come a long ways you know, there are consequences for those kinds of sins. And those, I think, have been visited upon generation after generation after generation. And so it's not enough for me to say, well, I wasn't part of that. I wasn't there when that happened. I'm still dealing with the consequences. And I have to own that. And I have to say, and I have to say what can I? We have to say, what can we do about that? Now, please understand me. When it comes to the rioting and the looting and the burning and all the things that we see happening right now, that is wrong. That is, I know that is wrong. I know that grows out of sinfulness. 
I'm talking more about the whole issue of, of racism, where, where one looks down on another race, another individual, another community of people based on the color of their skin or the socioeconomic background they're coming from, or even their culture. And that kind of attitude has just pervaded throughout history, even to this very day. I know, therefore, that racism exists. I see it. I hear it. I have felt it in my own heart. And be honest, haven't you at times? Yeah, I may not personally look down on somebody else in the sense of, of thinking them as being less than me. I may try to change that in my, in my mindset or in my heart. But look at the systems that exist in our culture today. You know what? makes those, assist, those systems sometimes oppressive? It's the people in the systems. You see, if I have a mindset and a heart that looks down on others or thinks less of others or think that they are the cause of the problems, then I'll abuse that system or I'll use that system against them. So sometimes I think it's not so much the systems that have to change, or the policies maybe that have to change, but it's the people in the systems, in the policies, whose hearts and minds have got to get back to where God wants it to be. And we, as responsible citizens, have to make sure that we do our best to influence that and put leaders in those places or get in those places ourselves and bring it under what we know God would want and what God would expect in terms of equity and justice, mercy and fairness. I know that God wants justice in every part of life. And you cannot pick and choose. Now hear me out. We can't just, you know, look at one issue and just make that and say, you know, this is an area of injustice and it has to become just. God expects us to practice justice in every area. So it's not just racism. It's justice for the unborn. It's justice for the abused. It's, it's justice for the poor. It's justice for the marginalized. Everybody deserves justice. Everybody deserves hope. And so I've got to widen my whole perspective and see the greater need. God expects me to practice justice across the entire board. I know that if we're going to see a change, if we're going to see a difference, if sin is the cause, then Jesus is the answer. In Acts chapter 4, where we were going to spend some time, and we will this weekend, look what it says in verse 12. It says, there is salvation in no one else. No one else. No other human being no other party, no other policy, no other system. There's only salvation. There's only hope. There's only a right way to live, and that's found in Jesus. God has given no other name under heaven, no other policy, no other party, no other group under heaven by which we must be saved. And so indeed, just as Christ is the answer for our personal lives, Christ is the answer for this world. And I know 
that God invites us into a personal relationship with his Christ, with his son, with the Messiah. Look what it says over in John chapter 17, verse 3. It says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth to know you. You know, a lot of people know some things about God, but knowing about God is not the same thing as actually knowing him and having this personal relationship. Two words to really think about. Personal and relationship. I read a statistic just this week from Pew Research that says that 65% of Americans claim to be Christians. And when the researchers ask them what a Christian is, they can say things like, read the Bible, go to church, get baptized, and uh, uh, do good acts uh, and deeds in, in, your, in your environment. And all that's true. Those are kind of attributes of what it means to be a Christian. But I got to tell you something. If 65%, and by the way, it used to be higher, but if 65% of us claim to be Christians, there should be a decrease in injustice and an increase in equality. There should be a decrease in violence and an increase in unity. This world, this, this country should be changing because if you're a true Christian, you are a change agent. So that tells me that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians that really don't know God. They don't have that personal connection with him. They haven't brought their, their lives under his lordship. There's this word in the Hebrew. Let me show you. And it is the word Adon. And Adon means Lord, Master, one who oversees. And it can be used of, of a secular king or, or you know, any, any being, all right? But when you add an A and an I to it, Adonai, that's the Hebrew word. One of the Hebrew words describe our relationship with God. And Adonai is very personal. Adonai means my God. And in fact, what's interesting is Adonai is actually in the plural. That doesn't mean it means many gods, all right? But God can't be contained in a name. So Adonai is the equivalent to our English God with a whole bunch of exclamation marks. The God who can't be contained, the God of the universe, the creator, the sovereign one. He's my God. He's my God. And when I... When I receive Christ into my life, what happens is I bow my life, all right? That's me kneeling, all right? I bow my life to all those exclamation marks. That is, I submit myself to all that God is and all that God wants and all that God desires. And he desires that we be at peace. And he desires justice. And he, desire, he desires fairness. And he desires love and, and equity. I'm telling you, if you don't like what you see happening in the world right now, I can't even describe to you how much God dislikes it, how much God hates what he sees happening right now. The wreckage that his human race, that he created for good, is making in rebellion against him. It's not the intention that God had for you and for me, and it certainly isn't the intention he has for his church. I know, I know that there are a lot of us who would say, Pastor Dale, I've examined my heart. I, I am not racist. I don't look at people that way, and I'm not here to say that you're wrong. 
But what I do know is this. I know that a lot of us are ignorant about this whole issue of racism in America. We're ignorant about it. We, we don't know, many of us don't know what it's like for a black American. A lot of us don't know what they experienced. A lot of us don't know what they've been through and what they're challenged by because we haven't walked in their shoes or we're not in a relationship with them. So it's one thing to say, I'm not racist. And I'm guessing most of us would say that. But a lot of us, and I'll include myself, are ignorant. And we've got to change that. We've got to gain insight, and we've got to gain understanding. What I know is that it's not going to do any good to shame and blame. That's not going to get us any further. It's not going to help for us to kind of point at each other and say, well, it's your fault and you're to blame. And if you did this, that wouldn't happen. And why don't you do that? And you've been given this and it's just not going to work. Shaming and blaming is what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And it's what we have a tendency to do. I know shame and blame does not work. I'm not God. I don't have the right to judge you. You don't have the right to judge me either. God is our judge. I've got to focus on something else. I've got to focus on something else. So what I know is this. I know we've got to learn to listen. We've got to learn to listen to each other. You know, listen is one of the most important parts of communication. It's hard for us. It's hard for me. I mean, I'd rather talk than listen. I mean, look at me right now. I'm talking at you, not listening. But you get my point. We got to learn to listen to other people. We got to learn to listen to our, our African American brothers and sisters. We got to learn to listen to those come from other cultures Asian, Latino, Hispanic, Native American, whoever it is. We've got to learn to listen. Listen to where they're coming from. Listen to what they've experienced. Listen to their pain. And we may not always like it, but they deserve to be listened to just like, listen, just like you and I deserve to be listened to as well. And we've got to learn to listen with a desire to understand. Listen without right away thinking about how am I going to argue that point. Listen with a sense of empathy. And that's what God has called us to do. You know, we're involved. We're going to tell you a little bit after this message how you can get more involved in, in helping, especially in, in downtown Minneapolis right now. But you know what, what I hear, what I hear especially from African Americans is that they don't necessarily want more money thrown at them. They don't necessarily want us to come and make them a project. They just want a relationship. They want to be listened to. They want to be understood. So that together... We understand their story, and together, once we understand the story, we begin to understand how it needs to be changed, how it needs to be fixed. That's the thing that God expects from us. As I kept pedaling along, the other thing that came to my mind is, I know, I know that our environment shapes our worldview. Like it or not, it just does. Our political persuasion the subdivision we live in, the people we hang with, the station and the news outlet we listen to, all across the board, all those things shape and influence our lives. 
And that you can't help but be influenced by those things. But listen carefully. We've got to be influenced by God's word. I was reading uh, just this past week in Thessalonians. It says, and Paul's praying that the word of God might work mightily in your life. What we need to do right now is in, almost take a time out from all this incoming news. Listen to God. Listen to his word. Let his word shape our worldview. Let his word shape our perspective. If you haven't been in the word of God lately, I just, I implore you, get the word of God out. Begin to read. Begin to let God shape your perspective. Let God shape your life. Let God shape your view of other people, who they are. See, what I know is I know that we've been created in the image of God. And what I know is we've all come from the same parents, Adam and Eve. And what I know is you are my brother and sister. Biologically, you are. And I know that the same God created us all. And I know that that God longs for unity in his family. If you have a family and you have someone in your family that's, that's not walking with God, or if you've got strife in your family and you're a parent especially, you know that ache, right? You want peace in your family. You want everybody to come together. That's how God feels. And the feeling that God has is what I had to pray God would give me. And I'd feel that way about the world as well, that I'd feel that way about others. And I'd lead that way. Like I said, it begins by listening. What I know, and this applies to all cultures, all color of people. What I know is in the church, we need to undergo repentance if God shows a sin in our life. I know our world needs to repent. I know we need to call on God for times of refreshment. I know that in this world, as painful it is, we must remain and we must be faithful. And I know someday God's going to restore things. Remember this passage back in Acts chapter 3? We looked at it last weekend. Peter says to people, he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God. Can we turn to God right now? Can we please turn to God? Look into his face and look into his word. Humble ourselves before him and get our eyes off of people and get our eyes on him. Repent your sins and turn to God that your sins may be wiped away. And that the beauty of God gives us a brand new start. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Oh, how we need refreshment. We need refreshment in the church. We need refreshment in our relationships. We need refreshment in our culture, in our world. And God is the only one who can bring it. But for the world to be refreshed, his church needs to be refreshed. And that's why we've got to get our churches regathered again. Because there's just something that happens when we're all together. It just can't happen any other way. That can happen in a house church. It can happen in a microsite. It can happen in a multi-site. But it's just something when believers come together. God says, I want to send refreshment. will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain. Remember, Jesus must remain in heaven for now. 
I must remain on this earth right now, but I'm not without Jesus on the earth. He's given me the comfort. He's given me the Holy Spirit. So I'm not just sitting here idly, you know, twiddling my thumbs and, and thinking to myself, God, please get us out of this mess right now. I got to remain here to make a difference. You know, during the time of, of the, the disease, the plagues, do you know that Christians refused to vacate the cities when everybody else did? They stayed to take care of and heal and to help those who were sick. And many of the Christians died, but it was okay because they knew where they were going to go. We know where we're going to go. Yes, like Christ, we endure this pain and suffering right now. But we're here to be change agents. Until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Repent, refresh, remain, restore. I want to encourage you to pray this way. Pray this way for the Twin Cities. Pray this way for race relationships. Pray this way for our world. Pray this way for our church. God would do a great and awesome work in our midst. You see, the other thing I know is that God wants his church to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Let's talk a little bit about that. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had the lame beggar they healed in chapter 3 follow them into the temple precinct. He's jumping and praising God. He's been healed. The whole crowd shows up. Peter preaches the gospel to them again, and then he and John get arrested by the religious authorities who threaten their lives. They don't stop preaching in Jesus' name, and they say, no, we're going to keep preaching in Jesus' name. And then, and then they go back, and what they go back to is a prayer meeting. We pick it up here. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And we're going to be doing that Sunday night from 7 to 8 p.m. in a Zoom, all-church Zoom prayer meeting. We'll give you more details about that right after the message. All right? So they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. They didn't lose perspective on God. And right now, you and I can't lose perspective on God. God is in control. It may seem like our city's out of control, the nation's out of control, secular leaders are out of control, but God is in control. You got to approach him that way. Sovereign God, you see and know everything that's going on right now. You are the ultimate creator. He says, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. So they're saying, you know, God, we know that, that the world rebels against you. We know that people have even crucified your son. They go on. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they said was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Two things. One, they say, God, you're sovereign, and nothing's happening that you don't already know about. You're not the cause of it, but you can take man's foolishness and work it toward a good end. Folks, God is in control right now. I mean, I feel like it, but God is in control. Nothing has caught him by surprise. And what I love about the apostles is 
when they're under threat, they're not running. When Jesus was being crucified, they ran. They ran from trouble, but now they're running into trouble and they're saying, God, yep, just like, just like Jesus, we're facing some hard times right now. We're being threatened. We might have to die. What we ask you for is holy boldness, courage. That's what we need to pray for right now. God, give us boldness as your people. Give us courage as your people. In light of all the things that are going on around us, God, give us the boldness and the courage to preach Christ. Not just by our words, but by our actions, by our attitude, by our spirit. Goes on the passage, and he says, Stretch out your hand, they prayed, with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's what they're saying is, Oh God, please let us continue doing what Jesus did on earth. Church, can I call you? Can I ask you to pray and call out to God and ask him to do miracles and signs right now and heal and restore people and relationships and lives? Can we call that down, so to speak, from heaven where we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places? Can we pray for Jesus to show up in his church and show up through his church? He wants to, but we got to get right with God. It's called revival. It's called spiritual renewal. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, wait a minute. In Acts 2, they were filled with the Spirit. Did they kind of, like a tire, go flat, need to get pumped up again? No. What this means to be filled with the Spirit is, it means that there are times in our life when God shows up and the Holy Spirit amplifies Christ, amplifies His presence. It's like when you're out on a dark night and you're walking along and suddenly you come to a building that's beautifully lit up. The floodlights are just spilling the light on that building. You go, man, that's a beautiful building. You don't go, wow, those are beautiful spotlights. The Holy Spirit is here to amplify Christ. And I'm telling you right now, we need to pray and ask for a, a fresh filling of the Spirit in our lives and in our church that in all of this, we would see Jesus be filled with his presence. I know God wants his people to be filled with his presence, to be illuminated, to know more of who he is and what he is so we can go out in his power and change the world around us. Then they preached the word of God with boldness and all the believers were united in heart and mind. All the believers of every race. Now I know a little bit later on in Acts, they're going to have to find out that God has given his message and his love to the Gentiles too. They're going to have to get past that. But God, God has given his love to all people, wants all of us to believe and all of us to be united. And they felt that, that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. What a beautiful community. That's the community that God wants us to be. And ask me, I'm praying that God would lead us to become, especially in these challenging days that we are living in. I want to ask you to pray for what I know God wants to do. My last I know, I know God wants to shake us up. He wants to shake us up. But it needs, he wants to give us a holy earthquake, a holy shaking of his presence, a holy shaking of his power, 
Because you know what? I know he's called us to be salt and light. And that's what the world needs right now. So you may be feeling discouraged. You may be feeling angry. You may be wanting to point the finger and blame and shame. You may have a lot of negative things going on in your life right now, but I know it's not how God wants you to be or how God wants, us, wants me to be. I know that God can take a bad situation and turn it out for good. He's done it throughout all of history. So can we begin to pray that God would do that in these days? Pray with me. Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would cause us as your followers to rise up and be the church that you want us to be for times such as this. We pray and ask, O oh God, that you would give us wisdom to use our resources wisely. We pray, O oh God, that you would give us wisdom to listen and know and understand others. And I pray, O oh God, that of one mind and one heart, we would go forward into this world to be your salt and light to be the bearers of miracles and signs and wonders that turn people's lives around. God, without you, it's not going to get better. But with you, all things are possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Please continue listening. Pastor Cal and I have some very important things to share with you, a way to apply the message you just heard. Thank you. Dale, thank you for that message. It's so important for us to hear from God's Word, especially in this season with all that is going on. Grateful for that. Yes, and we uh, are going to have a great opportunity tonight. Uh, for those of you who are able, would like to join us, we have a Zoom prayer meeting. And uh, we've been promoting that already on social media. And in fact, I've been told we have more people sign up already than we did for the National Day of Prayer. So it's a very serious time. And if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, all you have to do is go to prayeratwooddale.org, prayeratwooddale.org, and then you'll be able to get your Zoom link. We hope to have you there. Pastor Richard Coleman, uh, pastor of Wayman AME Church, is going to be joining us. He'll be saying a few words, and some of his congregants will be on that prayer time with us as well. So it should be very powerful. Now, Cal, uh, prayer is important to do, but we also want to practically help uh, the city of Minneapolis. So. What are some ways people could do that this week? Yeah, and I'm so grateful for all of you who have been reaching out and asking us that question, Dale. It's been overwhelming and really encouraging to hear the response from our congregation who are desiring to help. A very practical way that we can help right now is for food insecurity that is happening in Minneapolis. Pastor Trent, who is the campus pastor at our Loring Park campus, has told us that the Loring Park area has already been deemed a food desert. That just means access to high-quality food is not readily available there. In the midst of coronavirus and now with the tragedies that we have seen this week with the riots, uh, it has become a food wasteland, and they are in desperate need of food. So uh, food, uh, non-perishable food is wonderful, but also fresh fruit and vegetables would be helpful. And you can bring that directly to the Loring Park campus on Monday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. We'll have staff that will be there to receive that food. You can just drop it off. You won't need to be going into the building. And if you're not able to make it to Loring Park, but you can get here to the Eden Prairie campus, drop that off Monday morning by noon, and we'll make sure it gets downtown. So just come to this campus if they can't make it downtown and drop it by door number one. Door number one. Right. You can just leave it outside. We'll collect it and get it to where it needs to go. Fantastic. And then, uh, Kyle, we've also been uh, surprised by the number of people who have shared with us that uh, through this whole experience we've had with the uh, virus that they've really taken a liking to their neighborhoods and trying to create cul-de-sac churches and experiences like that. 
And so they know that we have multi-sites, we have micro-sites. And so we've been talking about, well, why not micro-churches? Right. Wooddale micro-churches in neighborhoods. So if somebody would like to know more, know more about that, what do they need to do? Yeah, and when we've heard about some of these that have already are already starting, and we know that many of you are asking, how else can I reach my neighbors and my yeah. community in this season? And so to become a micro-church means that they're going to receive some training and equipping from you, Dale. And very similar to what you do with the Timothy Initiative and some of our overseas efforts, but right here and doing it locally. And so if they're interested in that, they can just go to this website that we've set up. It's Wooddale Church or Wooddale.org, Wooddale.org slash microchurches. And from there, you can email Pastor Luke. He'll get you access to the information session. And uh, that information session will let you know what it, what, what this can be and yeah. uh, what God might do. Yeah, I think we're doing one June 3rd and one June 9th. The right. teaching would, at this point, probably begin July the 15th. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, again, I hope you'll at least hear about it if you are interested. That's right. And a great way for us to be uh, being the church in this season. But I know, Dale, lots of questions about when are we going to come back yes. live to yeah. our campuses. And we've been trying to listen to God and listen to the experts as well as listen to everyone. How many surveys did we have? Over 1,600 yeah, of you responded to the survey. So thank you. And uh, in many ways, it's kind of spread all over the board, uh, the results. But uh, we'll be sharing with you next weekend our intended date. Uh, Lord willing to begin our regathering uh, as a community of believers together. Uh, first of all, here at this campus at Eden Prairie. So stay tuned. That's right. And uh, as we close out this service, I just want to remind you that uh, we are uh, asking that you would continue to be in prayer for our community. And uh, Dale, as, as you have well said to us in this message, it's an opportunity for us to examine our own hearts uh, and, and also pray for our community. So we want to implore you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to go and to be the church and to reflect the love and the hope of Christ in the midst of our community. It is so important that we do that, maybe now more than ever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cal. We'll see you guys soon.